So let it shine and shine it bright. Will you heed the call? Will you be the light? Will you heed the call? Will you be the light? That was wonderful. Man, I enjoyed that music. What a blessing. Such a joy for me to be here once again. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, thank you so much for the wonderful, uh, comfortable room that I have to stay in. And I don't know who put together the basket that's in there. Uh, I was really excited about it, going through it. And uh, then, all of a sudden, I found this package of Buckeyes. I kind of lost my appetite. <laughs> uh, but I, I promise you, uh, as long as I'm here in town, I'm going to pull for the Buckeyes until I get my love offering, and then I'm, I'm gone. Uh, thank you, uh, preacher, for inviting me to come and looking forward to these next days together. Man, I love a missions conference. I don't know that there's anything more uh, that the church is involved in that, uh, that the Lord is pleased with than reaching for souls across the world. And uh, so I'm excited about these uh, days we have together and uh, thoroughly uh, looking forward to all of it and really looking forward to that pumpkin pie tomorrow night too. And so you can tell I've been wasting away to nothing, so I'm excited about that. Well, let's open our Bibles this morning, please, to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, I want to read just a, a few passages here to lay the groundwork for the message this morning. Preacher, do you usually stand during the scripture? Okay, I'll, I'll let you be seated. I'm, I'm in that senior division now, so I'm more sympathetic. About you. you can stay seated. Matthew chapter 4, and let's begin with verse 23. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were a lunatic, and those that had palsy, Kind of sounds like Washington, D.C. a little bit, doesn't it? And it says, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people. Notice that. Great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, from beyond Jordan. Verse 1 of chapter 5, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. We know that here he begins this sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it, it carries on through these next few chapters. Let's go to chapter 8. And now the sermon is concluded on the mountain there, and he comes down in verse 1 of chapter 8. It says, when he was come down from the mountain, great, notice this, multitudes followed him. Now let's jump over to chapter 9. 
chapter 9 and verse 35. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And then we know in chapter 10, he does send forth his disciples unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I want to preach for a little bit this morning on affected by the multitudes. Would you pray with me please? Our Lord, we sure come to you this morning thankful. You've been so incredibly good to us, Lord. I'm thankful your mercies are new every morning. Lord, I'm nothing without thee and I know that. And what these people have gathered to hear this morning, Lord, I don't have the answers to all they're looking for, but you do. And please be in charge. And I ask as I yield to you, would you please fill me, Holy Spirit of God. Endue me with thy power. Speak to our hearts in such a way, Lord, that it will count for eternity. Help our hearts not to just be ready to hear, but ready to do as well. Humble enough to receive your truth and respond to what you speak to us about. Lord, we commit this week of missions emphasis to thee. Lord, that there might be a multitude of lost people that have no hope that would come to know Jesus is their Savior and find hope in Thee. And Lord, may there be, if there might be somebody here this morning, Lord, that if they died right this minute and are not sure they'd go to heaven, please, I pray You'd help their minds to understand this morning and that You'd work in their hearts that they'd be ready to receive Thee as their personal Savior and only hope for forgiveness and eternal life. So please do your work. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here in chapters 4 through 9 of Matthew, it takes place in about a year's time. There are six miracles that take place before we get to chapter 9. And then there's five more miracles that take place in chapter 9. We're told that when he sees the multitudes in chapter 4 through chapter 8, he begins to teach them. And he teaches them truth from heaven. He shows them by his miracle working power that he is not just a man, but he is the God man. And now it comes to verse 35 as he's been teaching and showing them who he is. And, and we see here that he, he continues his work among them. But verse 36 says, but. Now something's going to change. You see, now the Lord has been doing all of this work, but he's not going to do it by himself anymore. Now he's passing responsibility on to his disciples, his followers, those that have trusted him. And in chapter 10, he commissions them to go to the lost uh, uh, sheep of Israel, of the house of Israel. So I want you to consider with me this morning. I want you to consider what, what he saw. I want you to consider with me why he was so moved. 
And I want you to consider why we aren't so moved and how we can get moved. Notice what he saw. He saw the people as hopeless, sheep with no answers, no direction, no one to help. I want you to understand this morning, no preacher can ever tell you accurately how much God really loves you this morning. How much He desires for lost people without hope to come to Jesus, be able to have a relationship with God the Father. You see, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There is no other way except through Jesus. There aren't five different roads that lead people to heaven. There's just one. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Of all the religions and of all of the cults and all of them that started through, through history, there's only been one Savior that has died and rose again and is able to offer us forgiveness. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't have assurance when you lay your head on your pillow at night that if something was to happen to you that you'd be able to, to know with confidence and a Bible reason that you're saved, forgiven, and on your way to heaven, if you're not sure about that, then our desire is for you to understand how much God loves you, that He worked all of that, that, that process out for you. All He's asking you, once that Jesus was risen again, had conquered death and conquered sin, He offers to us a gift. It is not something you can earn. It's not something you can get through religion. It's not something you can get through joining a church or putting money in an offering plate. You can only get it by coming with a repentant heart and trusting only in Christ as your only hope for forgiveness and salvation. And He will save you. He wants to save you. One of the most amazing verses to me in the book of Isaiah is that when it describes what our Lord would go through in the crucifixion, and then it says, and it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. And that always causes me to stop and think, man, our God was pleased? When he saw what our Savior went through at Calvary? But you see, that reveals that that's the heart of God Almighty. He so loves you and loves those across this world that he wants them to have a way of salvation that they can be forgiven and brought back into a relationship with their Creator. And so he gave his own Son to die for us. And now we see that the, the Lord Jesus... He's saying when he saw the multitude, he saw them as hopeless. It's one of the saddest things to me that the number two reasons why teenagers die in America is suicide. After cancer. Why is that? Because we're living in a, we're living in a society that has no hope. The psychiatrists don't have the answers. The, surely the education of today doesn't have the answers. But our Lord is the answer. And so He's left those of us who've trusted Him here with that responsibility as we've sung, uh, heard sung about today in a wonderful fashion. We're the light. We're supposed to, to get that gospel to others so that they might know. Look at Acts chapter 16 with me. Acts 16, notice verse 6, 
Paul and Timothy are traveling to win souls, start churches. In verse 6 it says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the, the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. That's always amazing to me. After, that, that, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Why is that? Well, it tells us in verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. You see, the Lord knew there were those in Macedonia that were hungry to find hope. And so the Lord said, Paul, I'm not going to have you go to these other places right now. There's somebody crying out for hope. You got to get over there to Macedonia. We know this was the foundation for the beginning of the church at Philippi. And Paul went there and began to win souls, and they were able to establish the church. We saw here where it tells us that the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. When William Borden, that young man who was the, uh, the one to inherit his father's uh, incredible wealth, as a young man he was saved, he knew the Lord as his Savior, and, and, uh, and, and, and for his graduation trip, his father gave him an a, a all-expense-paid trip around the world. He said every port that he stopped at, all he could do was look out and see multitudes of people without Christ on their way to hell. And so he set out to become a missionary. We know the story that he ended up dying early, but that was his heart's desire. He saw those multitudes. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you could. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And notice in verse 4, uh, verse 3, please do what I mean, not what I say. <laughs> Chapter 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So the world, blinded by religion, blinded by sin, blinded by the philosophies of this world. But thank God there was a Savior. He saw the multitudes and he was moved. I love it where we see that Jesus was going through, through Jericho that day when Zacchaeus went up that tree. And he finishes his little story about Zacchaeus' salvation by saying, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You see, he wasn't just on a leisurely stroll that day. He knew there was a lost man, Zacchaeus, that needed hope. He needed a Savior. He knew where Saul of Tarsus was that day on the Damascus Road when the light shone and struck him. And he, and, and he cried out and said, uh, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And Saul of Tarsus gave his heart to Jesus and became the Apostle Paul. We, we know that uh, when Jesus got on that ship with his disciples and he went and, and laid down and went to sleep and that great storm came so that it was filling up the boat with water. And, and his disciples came and woke him up. Master, carest thou not that we perish? 
And he stood up and he rebuked the wind and the seas. But Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the storm was coming. They didn't understand. But you know where the boat was going? He was on a mission. It was going across the lake there to Gadara where this man was possessed of devils that nobody could help. But Jesus knew he could help him. And he came there to give him hope. And that maniac filled with devils trusted Christ and sat clothed in his right mind. What did Jesus see? He saw lost people without hope, blind by the, by the, the wicked God of this world. Romans 10, 14 says, How shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they, they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? I was in, in Kentucky. I was preaching and the pastor was out of town. And uh, his son-in-law was the assistant pastor at the time. And, and uh, so after we had the evening service, his son-in-law took me out to eat. It's my favorite sport. And we went out where... We're sitting at a restaurant. It's a little bit late in the evening. And uh, there, wasn't, there wasn't hardly anybody there in the restaurant. And we knew that it was getting closing time and we were eating and that waitress was very kind. And so without anybody else to serve or anything, I, I said to her, I said, um, I said, do you go to church anywhere? She said, no. Nah. She said, I've just been in, in town almost a year. But she said, I grew up Catholic and, you know, I visited this, you know, St. something church. And, and she said, you know, to be real honest with you, I'm sorry, but she said, I, I just, I said, it was boring, wasn't it? She said, yes, terribly boring. And I said, well, let me invite you to this church. I know the pastor, I've known him for years. It's not boring. And they just, they just preach and teach from the Bible, what God's word says. She said, really? I said, you know, they will show you what the Bible says about going to heaven, how you could be sure you're going to heaven when you die. She said, no kidding. I said, really, I'm serious. I said, would you like to hear about that? Could I share a few verses with you? She said, please. And we opened up a New Testament, showed her some verses from the scripture, how that she could come to know Christ as her savior. It wasn't five minutes into it. The tears were running down her cheeks. She said, that's what I've needed all these years. This is what I need. She prayed and trusted Christ. You see, what the Lord saw was multitudes without hope. Without hope. And then I want you to know why he was so moved. Why was he so moved? Notice back there in, in, in Matthew, in, in chapter 9. In verse 36 where he says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved. What's those next two words? With compassion. Webster defines compassion as a suffering with another. Painful sympathy. A sensation of sorrow excited by the distress or misfortunes of another. Compassion is a mixed passion compounded of love and sorrow. Psalm 78 verse 38 says, But he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity. They say that the population of the world today is over 8 billion people. 
almost 3,000 language groups in the world. And over 1,700 of those language groups have never had one Bible verse translated into their language. You know how blessed we are in America? You know how good God's been to us? And you don't think God has been so good to us so that we might be moved with compassion on those across this world that have no hope. They're living in darkness. I mean, all these years since, since Jesus resurrected from the dead and we were, we, He ascended into heaven and gave us that commission to go preach the gospel into all the world, we have failed. There's much of the world that yet has not heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Over 1,000 tribes have never one time heard the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have no answers. They have no one to guide them, no one to help, no one to care. Our football camp preacher has come to for many years now and been a real blessing to us. And, 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 and we've had a, an older man that has come for many years. He's missed the last few years. He really wanted to come this year and his family would not let him because his health is not real good. But he was a missionary for many, many years. He went into those areas that nobody had ever been. They'd never seen a white man before. Jerry Williams traveled through creeks and rivers till he was covered with leeches. To hear his stories, it just blows your mind. You say, oh man, this guy must not have had much to excite him to do in life. Well, I want to tell you something. He was an, an all-American football player in college. But there was something more important than that. You see, he saw the multitude. He knew that he was saved and there were people in this world that had never heard the gospel. And he went as a missionary. He went into an area where, where the, the, the people, all they knew was their, their witch doctor. He had everybody scared, nobody would do anything without his permission. And Brother Jerry went in there and was able to build a relationship with that guy and win him to Christ. And when he did, that guy's life changed and, and that whole tribe changed and trusted Jesus as Savior. You know why? Because he was moved with compassion. Please, church, when you start praying, and please don't, don't fill out that card until after Wednesday. And ask God this week, Lord, move in me. Move in me, Lord. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to just get out the budget and see what I could do. Just ask God what he could do. Ask what he wants. It may shock you. But I'm going to tell you, my wife and I, it's been a long time since I've had a paycheck. I'm an evangelist. I don't have a salary. And God's been so incredibly good to us, but we don't have a big bank account. And we don't have a lot. But we've always had our needs met. Always. And every year we pray, dear Lord, we want to do more for missions. Help us to do more. For... Do you know, He always helps us to do more. He was moved with compassion. Why aren't we so moved? Well, could it be be because that word compassion requires love and sorrow? You see, we live in an amusement-oriented society. 
where there, no one wants to have a burden anymore. You know, Jude 1.22 says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. Sometimes as I travel and preach, I wonder what has happened to the passion of God's people. Well, there was a time when we hungered to win souls and we hungered to be a part of the ministry and we wanted to be involved any way we could. And it seems like more and more people, I'm talking about God's people in the independent Baptist churches have gotten just satisfied where they're at. But you see, real compassion has the combination of love and sorrow, a burden. When's the last time you bathed your pillow with tears at night over a loved one that's lost. When's the last time you cared enough about the, the guys at work that irritate you to say, dear God, help me know how to love them to Calvary? When's the last time you cared about that neighbor that could do things that frustrate you? But they're lost without hope. What they need is the Lord. Hudson Taylor, tremendous missionary to China, after a furlough in England before he was to return. It was in the late 1800s. He stood up and made the statement, we may have more wealth in these days, better education, greater comfort in traveling and in our surroundings, even as missionaries, but have we the spirit of urgency, the deep inward convictions that moved those who went before us, have we the same passion of love, personal love for the Lord Jesus Christ? If these are lacking, it is a loss for which nothing can compensate. They say D.L. Moody, who saw hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ, they say he never preached on hell without weeping as he preached. Have we, have we, have we forsaken the burden? Compassion requires love and sorrow. They say they could hear John Knox praying in his, in his prayer room, clear out on the street, crying out, saying, Oh God, give me Scotland or I'm going to die. Do we have that burden? I'm afraid we seldom weep over the loss. We're seldom are moved to go or to give. We're consumed with television and recreation. We're blinded and distracted by the cares and the pleasures of this world. We have plenty of time for Fox News and little time to go knock on somebody's door and try to tell them about Christ. I'm afraid we aren't even looking for the limitless whitened fields that are ready to harvest. Well, how do you get moved? Well, we notice there in verse 37 of Matthew 9, then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Well, you have to see the need first. He saw the multitudes. We're going to have the privilege in these evenings to Skype in and see what the work is going on with these missionaries. I love it. Every time I'm in a missions conference, I get called to the mission field. And I know it's not God's will for me to go to the mission field. I'm in evangelism, but my heart's always there. We're to pray for those labors. 
Folks, take those missionaries seriously. Pray for those laborers. I've got some family members that I love. They've been witnessed to, and some of them have been saved, but they're not living much like it. But I pray God send laborers to minister to them. I can't, I can't be there all the time and try to send laborers. And then we need to give to help send those laborers where we can't go. Not all of us are called to go to Africa or to, uh, or, or to some foreign field, but we can send others that are called to go. And that's what the missions conference, that's what preacher was talking about in faith promise giving. Remember that, that good Samaritan found that, that guy along the side of the road, all the religious elite, you know, they just walked on by and found that guy on the side. You know what he did? He not, only, he not only reached out to help him, he put him in a good place and he told him, listen, give me the bill, I'll pay for it. If he owes you something after all this, I'll pay what, what he owes. He gave. See, real love always gives. And then we need to make sure that we go where we can go. Your church has opportunity to go, so when it go. Say, well, it doesn't work in my schedule, then find a good time to go. But all of us need to go. Say, I'm getting up in years, and I can't do what I used to. I understand that. But you've got a telephone. <laughs> you could write letters. I was blessed a couple weeks back. Maybe it's been a couple months. I lose track of time. Got, went to the mailbox at our home and, and, and got an envelope. And... Uh, Opened it up. I thought, I don't know who this guy is, where he's from. And this man's 83 years old, preacher. He served as an assistant pastor most of his life, but his health doesn't let him get out anymore. And he writes this letter. And he mailed it out all over our area. And he said, I'm not able to get out anymore, but if I could sit at your home, this is what I'd tell you about God loving you. And he gave the gospel. And he had his, his card in there. I thought, praise God, he's trying to do something. Ought to do something. There was a pastor that was from Baltimore, Maryland. He, he went on a missions trip to Hong Kong. Uh, he, his last day there, he just before getting on the plane, he visited a bakery that was there and and uh, while he was sitting there enjoying those sweets, he looked over and in the big plate glass window there, there was a little girl. And it was obviously obvious that she looked as like an orphan, not well taken care of. Her face was pressed up against the window looking in at those bakery goods. And she fell asleep with her face pressed against the window. The preacher took a picture of that. When he got home on Sunday night, he showed slides to his church of his missions trip. And the last slide he showed was of that little girl, and he told the story how that she fell asleep with her face pressed against that w window looking at those bakery goods. And a lady in the church spoke out and said, what did you do, Pastor? What did you do? And he dropped his head and he said, Nothing. What are you going to do?
It's a wonderful time to come to an altar and say, Dear God, show me what you want me to do. Maybe some of us ought to come to the altar and say, You know, I know how to win a soul to Christ, but I haven't opened up the Bible and showed somebody the plan of salvation for over a year. Maybe some of us need to come and say, Dear Lord, I've got, I've got uh, uh, neighbors I've never even given a track to. I've got people I've worked God doesn't put us any place by mistake. You see, there's, there's multitudes without Christ. Some of us maybe ought to come and say, Dear Lord, with all the distractions in life, I've just kind of lost the burden. Lord, I just kind of go through the motions, but I've lost that, that burden for the lost. Dear God, during this conference, restore that burden. I hope with this invitation you'll do what you need to do, but I'm going to tell you the most important thing in this world, if you're sitting here this morning and you're not sure that you're saved, you're not sure if you died you'd go to heaven, would you please understand that the Lord loves you and wants you to be saved this morning? And He wants you, if you'll come, in just a few minutes we're going to stand, I'll lead us in prayer, the music will begin to play. You're not sure you're going to heaven, don't leave that way. We're not trying to get your money. We're not trying to get anything. We just want the opportunity to show you right in the Bible where it shows you how you can put your faith and trust in Christ today and leave here knowing you're saved, forgiven on your way to heaven. I was just a couple weeks back in southern Louisiana. You talk about good food, man. We had seven Cajun adults get saved. Catholic backgrounds. One dear Cajun lady, she says, this is so wonderful. It's wonderful. I think I'll come even when you're not here. I said, good, do that. You come when I'm not here. Just trusted Christ and found the peace of knowing I have a Savior now. It'll change your whole life. Would you bow your heads with me? Our Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for loving us. We sure need you, Lord. Thank you that you'd love us so much, Lord, that you'd pay for our sin debt by going to Calvary and then offer us a gift if we'd just come with a sincere and repentant heart to trust thee. Lord, if there's somebody that needs to be saved, draw that heart, please. And those of us that have been so blessed to be saved, would you forgive us, Lord? We get so distracted from the very main reason you left us here. Help us, Lord, to get busy about loving people and reaching out to get the gospel to them and doing all we can to see them come to Christ. Help us, Lord, in this matter of giving to missions, God, that it would be a joy to our hearts to be able to reach the multitudes through those who are willing to go to places we can't go. Help us not to be those that do nothing. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want to ask you this morning. And you say, Brother Booth, thank God I know I'm saved. I could take you to the very place where the Spirit of God convicted my heart. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was on my way to hell. And somebody showed me from the Bible how I could put my faith and trust in Christ. And with a sincere heart, I called on the Lord and asked Him to save me. And Brother Booth, I know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. If that's your honest testimony, would you indicate that by raising your hand? Just raise it up and put it down. And I, I couldn't see everybody's hand, not, not trying to. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I just ask you to be honest with the Lord this morning. He loves you this morning. 
I wonder how many would say, Brother Booth, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm thankful for that. But I needed that message this morning. I needed that reminder. Somewhere during the, the message, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart as a Christian. And I know there's some things the Lord wants different. Pray for me. God's dealing with my heart about some things as a Christian. Would you slip your hands up? God's speaking to your heart this morning. God bless you. Thank God for your tender hearts. God bless you. Maybe there's others. You say, I didn't raise my hand, but maybe something I never even mentioned, but the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about. You say, Brother Booth, I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. God is dealing with me. There's some priorities that need to change. God's speaking to my heart. Pray for me. God's dealing with me this morning. Slip your hand up. Are there others? Is there somebody else? Now I want to ask this. Who would be honest and say, man, if I died right this minute, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I don't want to die and go to hell. If I could know for sure I was saved, forgiven, and on my way to heaven, I'd like to know that for sure. Please pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? I won't embarrass you. I promise you I would just like to pray for you if you'd let me. Yeah, that's me. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, but it bothers me to think about it. I don't want to die and go to hell. Please pray for me. Just slip your hand up, put it down. God bless you, buddy. Is there somebody else? Yeah, that's me. I'm just not sure. You don't have to leave that way. If a God that loved you so much that he was moved with compassion, he's moved with compassion for you this morning. You don't want you to go through life hopeless. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for prayer. After I pray, the music will play. If God spoke to your heart this morning as a Christian, why don't you come find a place at the altar? Be honest with the Lord. If you're not sure you're saved, whether you raised your hand or you didn't, would you come and just let Pastor Norris or somebody at the front know? I want to be sure that I'm saved. So we could just show you in a few minutes from the Bible how to get that settled. Would you stand with me, please? Now, Lord, again, we come to you. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for your precious word. I pray, Lord, that you do that work that only you can do in hearts. There's already been some at the altar, Lord, that dealt with thee about things. And, Lord, others that need to come, I pray you'd give victories this morning. I pray you would make a difference, Lord, for all of eternity because of decisions that we yield to you this morning. And those that aren't sure they're saved, Lord, please give them the courage to step out. Lord, help them to realize it's... The people that are here are going to rejoice about their decision because most of us have made that decision for thee. So draw that heart, I pray. Do your mighty work, we ask now in Jesus' name. As the music plays, God spoke to your heart. You need to come. Why don't you come right now, would you?